0: out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks i don't know if there is any more countercultural view or idea than this out of the abundance of the heart out of the abundance of your heart your mouth speaks I hear a lot of talk these days about the heart, and cultural wisdom counsels all of us to listen to our heart, right? There are songs from the 80s called, Listen to Your Heart, Follow Your Heart, Let Your Heart Guide You, Your Heart, it is said, ought to be your most trustworthy guide. And the underlying assumption of all of these ideas is that your heart is basically good at its core. And the passions that drive you are basically good at their core. The emotions that lead you, the emotions that you feel are not really wrong because deep down, when it all comes right down to it, your heart is good. And if my heart is good, then how can it be that something I would feel, something that might feel right to me, how can it be that that could be wrong? Especially when, like I said, I'm a good person. If I'm a good person, then the desires that spring out from my heart can't be anything other than good. The problem with that idea is that scripture paints an entirely different picture of the human heart scripture counsels us that we should not place at the center of our decision making we should not place as our primary advisor in life the heart my heart your heart yes your heart why is that Because without the Holy Spirit's renewal and renovation of your heart, your heart is deceptive above all things. Your heart will convince you to believe things like, well... I might do bad things every so often and while I might say mean, cruel, insulting, crude or blasphemous things every so often, that really doesn't mean that I deep down am a mean, cruel, insulting, crude or blasphemous person. But the truth reveals to us, the truth revealed to us in God's holy word contradicts that idea. It contradicts our hearts here. What we learn in our text this morning is that what you do And what you say does indeed reveal who you are deep down. What you say and what you do spring from your heart. Jesus made it clear in verse 34. Hear it again. Out of the abundance of the heart. Some of your translations might say overflow. Out of the overflow of your heart, the mouth speaks. Now what are we talking about here when we use the word heart? When we use that word, we tend to, to minimize it and bring it down to our emotions, our passions, what we feel, and what we desire inside. However, when the scripture writers use it, they use it the heart differently. Right? We used to, uh, the older writers would, would locate your emotions in something they called the bowels. If you read Old English, You will know when they say the heart, they mean something different than when they say the emotions. The emotions, you know, and you get it, right? Sometimes we might say, I felt that in the pit of my stomach. Right? The heart here, when Jesus uses it, is larger than simple emotion. Our culture tends to reduce our identity down to simple desires, what we want and what we are passionate for. However, when Jesus used heart, he means here the center of the entire person, the core, the nucleus, the hub of your thoughts and your wills and your desires and your emotions. The heart is the very center of who you are. It's your true nature, it's your real identity, it is your character, and according to Jesus, the state of your heart, the state of my heart, meaning our true nature, our true identity, our true character, is revealed by, or what fills up our heart, is revealed by the words that we speak and the things that we do. And so the question then is for you, what kind of person are you? In many cases, the answer to that question might be, well, I'm a good one, of course. Sure, I might do bad things from time to time. I may gossip a little bit over here, and I may drop a curse word here and there, but that doesn't mean that I'm a bad person. You ever notice how dishonest we can be with ourselves? How hypocritical we are in our dealings with ourselves and with others? Have you ever noticed how easy it is for us to speak soft, smooth, justifying words about ourselves even as we say and do things that contradict who we think we are? And on top of that, have we noticed how easy it is, how easy we find it to speak hard, judgmental and condemning words about others, refusing to do for them what we do for ourselves? We judge them by their words and actions, and we judge ourselves by some sort of nebulous, undefined idea of our own supposed goodness deep down. You ever noticed how easy it is for us to divorce who we are deep down inside from what we say and do while defining and judging and condemning others by what they say and what they do? We don't say to somebody else, well, yeah, they lied and they cheated, but deep down they're a good person. We say, no, they lied and they cheated, therefore they're a liar and a cheater. But when it comes to ourselves, we will say, yeah, I lied, but I'm really not a liar, I'm I'm, I'm good. I cheated, but really, you know, it was just a one-time thing, circumstances called for it, deep down I'm really good. And that's what we want everyone to know, right? Right? We want everyone to know that when it comes right down to it, we are good people. Even if our words lack grace, compassion, edification, charity, spiritual benefit to those around us, even if our words are instead harsh and demeaning and slanderous and insulting, we can still, out of the deception of our hearts, spin it all back to the starting point, doesn't matter what I did, I'm good, I'm a good person. My heart is good, even though I do things sometimes that aren't so good. And again, the problem with this idea, the problem with this cultural teaching that is being showered on us or foisted upon us is the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus taught us the foolishness of such a self-deception. Jesus revealed to us the folly of telling yourself, of me telling myself that I... Even though I might do and say bad things, that doesn't make me a bad person. This is yet another in the long laundry list of ways that we lie to ourselves. Because as Jesus made clear back in Matthew chapter 7, if you look back at Matthew seven seventeen and 20, He said, every healthy tree bears good fruit. The diseased tree bears bad fruit. You will recognize them by their fruits. And again, in our text this morning, Jesus reiterates the reality when he says, Out of the abundance or the overflow of the heart, your mouth speaks. In other words, what you say, what you do, they proceed from your heart, meaning they proceed from who you are. They reveal who you are deep down, they reveal what fills up your heart, they reveal your true nature. So I want you to think for a second about your words and your deeds. Ponder and examine what it is you speak about. And then you will know what it is that fills up your heart. Is your speech all about the politics of the earth? Then your heart is full with politics of the earth. Is it peppered with cursing, swearing, blasphemies, yourself, money, lewdness and impropriety, sex and sexuality, power, antagonism, slander, strife, division, quarreling, or is your speech full of Christ, grace, mercy, his love, all of the benefits that serving him gives to our lives, of his charity, of compassion? What is it that you talk about most? How are your words used? Are they used as weapons of harm or vehicles of grace? Because the words we speak manifest the depths and the character of our heart. Our words reveal who we are on the inside. And as much as our culture would love, as much as our culture fights and hopes to disconnect the heart from who we actually are. As much as our culture hopes to trick us into believing that while we can do bad things, our heart is basically good and tries to divorce our deeds and our words from who we actually are, Jesus makes it abundantly and unmistakably clear. Your heart is revealed, your heart is described, who you are is clarified and illustrated by your words. And I want you to note, this reality is not just spoken of here. It's taught throughout Scripture that who you are, righteous or wicked, is revealed by your words and your deeds. Proverbs 15, verse 28. The heart of the righteous ponders how to answer, but the mouth of the wicked pours out evil things. You see the direct connection, right? Righteous leads to one way of speaking. Wickedness leads to another. And you can tell which one is which by what they say. The tongue of the wise commends knowledge, but the mouth of fools pours out folly. Psalm 37, the mouth of the righteous utters wisdom, and his tongue speaks justice. The law of his God is in his heart, and his steps do not slip. See what comes out of the heart of a righteous? James 1.26, if anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Right, James tells you, you can know the quality of a person's profession of faith and their religion by how they use their tongues. And Christ, addressed it, Christ brought this up, or He addressed this subject as He was rebuking the Pharisees on this day for their wicked blasphemy against the Holy Spirit in chapter 12 of Matthew, verse 24. If you go back to it, After seeing Jesus miraculously heal a blind, mute man, delivering that man from demonic oppression and knowing, knowing that such wonderful works can only be performed by those upon whom God puts his spirit, the Pharisees still declared, seeing firsthand the gracious deeds of Christ, they still declared it is only by Beelzebub, the prince of demons, that he casts out demons. Now these words right here might perhaps be the most evil words ever uttered by any human being in the whole history of humankind. But they provided Jesus an opportunity to speak to the importance of of listening to words, if we hope to understand the state of our hearts. These Pharisees, for example, even with such wicked speech, thought of themselves as good people. They did all sorts of religious works, after all, right? They rigorously performed and practiced a number of deeds that they assumed secured them a privileged position and a privileged status before God. But we know, we know that they don't because we are saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ, not by our works. But they refused Jesus. They thought, I can work myself up into the favored position of God. They fasted. However, they let everyone know they fasted by disfiguring their faces. They gave to the needy. However, they let everyone know that they were giving to the needy by announcing it so that they might be praised by others. They prayed in the synagogues and on the street corners. However, they did it loudly so that everyone might hear them and recognize just how spiritual they were. They attended and they led the synagogues every Sabbath. They trekked to the temple for every single festival and observance and celebration. They followed all of the dietary restrictions that had been set out for them in the Levitical code. They consistently brought their sacrifices to the temple in accordance with the commands of God. They made sure not to work on the Sabbath and they were meticulous in tithing all that they had right down to their dill, their mint, and their cumin. All of these works were practices that led the Pharisees to think quite highly of themselves. I mean, look at all of my good works. In their minds, they were good. If God doesn't love me, they thought, then who could he love? But while in their pride they thought so favorably of themselves, so highly of themselves, their words revealed, their words painted a different picture. Their words revealed something completely contradictory to what they thought. Their words displayed the truth about their hearts. Their, self, their self-deceived assessment of themselves was, by their words, proven to be incorrect. Incorrect. Instead of righteousness, their hearts were teeming with evil and wickedness. And the Pharisees here, speaking such angry, bitter, and malevolent words about Christ and against Christ, they didn't actually reveal anything true about Jesus. But boy, did they sure reveal something true about themselves. You know that, right? When you use your words against other people... You don't necessarily reveal something true about the person you're talking about. What you reveal is something about you. And this because the tree is to fruit as the heart is to words. That the Pharisees revealed the true state of their hearts on this day led Jesus to call on these hypocritical, rebellious, and exposed Pharisees to use some common sense to be honest with themselves about the identity of Jesus, about who He was, and about the true source of His power. And Jesus here held out to the Pharisees yet another opportunity to repent. In verse 33, He called on them to either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad, for the tree is known by its fruit. You see, all that Jesus had done in His ministry up to this point, and continuing throughout the rest of His earthly ministry, ought to be classified and considered as good. He proclaimed the good news of the Kingdom of God. He preached repentance and calling people to discipleship. He held out the wonderful gift that is available to anyone of forgiveness of sin. Adoption into the family of God. Eternal life by grace through faith in the name of Jesus. He healed leopards. He healed the paralyzed. He healed those sick with fever. Those afflicted with numerous ailments and diseases. He set those afflicted by uh, the demonic free. He healed the blind. He healed the mute. He even raised the dead. Who in their right mind would consider these works to be anything but good? And yet, and yet, Even though the fruit or the works and the words of Jesus were good, the Pharisees tried to play this weird little game by asserting that Jesus, the tree that was producing good, was itself bad. A principle that even they knew to be false because they know a good tree produces good fruit. Bad trees don't produce good fruit. Remember Nicodemus, when he came to Jesus by night, said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with them. They saw the works of Jesus, they saw what he was doing, and they knew that all of those works were good. They knew he was a teacher come from God, and yet here, blinded by rage and blinded by hatred for Jesus, they chose to malign him and to slander him, and by extension, speak blasphemous words against their very own God. They'd rather declare a man upon whom they know that Yahweh, the God of Israel, has put his spirit to be in league with Satan rather than simply contemplating or pondering or even thinking about what the crowds had been thinking about in 12.23. Can this be the son of David? And in this slander, they revealed the state of their hearts. These Pharisees here are oh so perilously close. They are standing at the precipice of a cliff with a steep and sharp drop. A cliff uh, from which falling is certain death. And Jesus here is warning them, calling on them to examine the state of their hearts. And he holds out to them yet another opportunity for repentance. You Pharisees, listen to what you are saying. Your hearts are rock hard. Even worse far from being acceptable to the God that you claim to love and serve, the God that you claim to have served in a long line of unbroken succession with other rabbis and other spiritual leaders, you are actually fighting against Him. Remember verse 30. Whoever is not with me is against me. Whoever does not gather with me scatters. So, either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad, for the tree is known by its fruit. Jesus here calls on the Pharisees to really and truly consider what they just said. To consider how ridiculous it is to ascribe these great, wonderful, freeing, liberating, gracious, compassionate works to Satan. Make, said Jesus, or consider the tree. The tree here refers to Jesus and its fruit, or his fruit, meaning his miraculous works, good. Recognize that the tree is good and the fruit is good, or consider both Jesus and his miraculous works bad. Make up your mind. Stop trying to play word games. Stop trying to be cagey and dishonest. Stop cherry-picking what you want to believe so that it suits how you want to see the world. Either I'm good and my works are good, or my works are bad and I'm bad. Make up your mind. Stop trying to straddle some nonsensical fence of considering Jesus bad, but His work's good. It simply doesn't work. Forget all that. Which is it, Pharisees? Are you in, or are you out? The answer should be obvious, right? Because the tree is known by His fruit. And you, Pharisees, have seen it all firsthand with your very own eyes. The works of Christ reveal His identity. And the Pharisees knew it. Jesus reiterated this truth a number of times throughout his ministry. Three times, for example, in the Gospel of John. John 10.25, Jesus said, The works that I do bear witness about me. And again, in chapter 10, verses 37 to 38, he said this, If I am not doing the works of my Father, then don't believe me. But if I do them, even though you do not believe me, believe the works. That you may know and understand that the Father is in me and I am in the Father. And once more, speaking to his disciples in John 14, he said to them, Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. The idea here is the works are good. You know they're good. Look at them, they testify to who I am, they reveal who I am. If you really want to know who Jesus is, examine and consider his works. And listen, his works are wonderful. His works are good. Why? Because they spring from a good source. Jesus, who is himself wonderful and good. Now, if Jesus were bad, if Jesus were evil, if Jesus were in league with Satan, as the Pharisees have tried to assert, Then he would be, Jesus would be engaged in the same wicked and evil works that Satan is occupied with. Jesus would be hoping to steal, to kill, to destroy, to devour people, to let loose flaming arrows in hopes of sinking them deep into the souls of his target, working to hold people captive to the domain of darkness, possessing and oppressing people, hurting and harming them, causing them to hurt and harm themselves, holding them in bondage to sin and its horrendous consequences. Those are the works of evil. But Jesus never took part in anything like that. Jesus does not participate in the works of darkness. Instead, he exposes them and destroys them. Jesus came not to put us in bondage, but to free us from it. Jesus came that we might have life and life to the full. He came to seek and to save the lost. He came to call us out of darkness and into his marvelous light. And prove this to be the case by healing people, liberating people from their physical sicknesses and most importantly from their enslavement to sin and its consequences. The grave consequence of death and the eternal wrath of God. Jesus called the Pharisees here whose hearts were full of wickedness to believe or reject but stop playing these crafty little games. Stop with the games. You're in or you're out. You believe Jesus is good and his works are good, or you don't. He's calling them to make a decision. And he proceeds now to tell them why they must make that decision. Because, contrary to what they believe about themselves, that they are good, that they are favored by God, Jesus reveals to them right here no, you are evil. Look at verse 34. You brood of vipers, how can you speak good when you are evil? Because the mission of Jesus was to seek and to save the lost, Jesus spent much time and effort extricating people from this complicated web of lies and deception and error that had been spun by the Jewish leaders over the centuries. He did this primarily by preaching and teaching the word and will of God with the utmost clarity. And he also did this by exposing the errors and exposing the hearts of the Pharisees in sight of the watching crowds. And here, the expose took the form of an in-your-face denunciation of the Pharisees that were at this moment working to hinder the crowds from seeing and believing the truth about Christ's identity. Jesus turned to the Pharisees, and look what he said. You brood of vipers. Jesus compared the religious leaders here to a litter of venomous baby snakes. Now, what do you know about venomous baby snakes? My children and I sometimes watch videos on YouTube put out by an animal expert named Coyote Peterson. It's called Brave Wilderness. They're really well done. Uh, he lets bees sting them so that you could test which one of them has the worst sting. Those are always fun to watch. In one video, he was teaching about snakes. And he said that oftentimes the bite of a baby snake is more deadly than the bite of an adult snake because babies haven't yet developed the capacity to control the amount of venom they inject into their victim. And so, it is oftentimes more dangerous for a human to suffer the bite of a baby cobra, for example, than it is from an adult. And Jesus here, in comparing the Pharisees to a brood of vipers, is speaking to the dangers of listening to them. These are men who have no clue about the potency and the quantity of the venom that they are injecting into your minds, crowds. They have no idea how dangerous they and their teachings are. Their evil words are like the terrible venom working through the bloodstream and it brings about the death of the victim. And the only antidote to the venom that they preach The only antidote to such soul-poisoning teachers as these is the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. The gospel that we are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, that our Lord Jesus Christ is indeed the Savior of the world, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And all, all who truly recognize their situation as guilty sinners, wretched and undeserving before the Lord, who turn from their sin and turn to Jesus in faith and trust that He is faithful and just to forgive us our sin when we call out to Him for salvation, you will be saved and Jesus when the gospel and like Jesus when the gospel is altered when it's added to like the pharisees did or subtracted from when it is edited or changed when uh, we are called to also like Jesus did expose such works of darkness that hold people in their grip those who by evil and accursed words keep people from seeing the wonders of Christ they too are like broods of vipers injecting deadly venom It doesn't matter what the evil is. Could be false and idolatrous religions. Could be liars and wolves who profess to serve Christ but speak lies. Here, Christ exposed the Pharisees who claimed to serve God but were instead actively working against him. And he called them what they were venomous snakes. And he continued and he asked them, How can you speak good when you are evil? The answer to this question is, you can't. The Pharisees thought they were good, but their words have revealed the exact opposite. Their words revealed that their hearts were full of evil and full of venom. They put on a good outward show, but inwardly they were, as Jesus will say later in Matthew, filled with greed and self-indulgence, full of dead people's bones and uncleanness, full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. And you can only keep these things down in your heart for so long. Some, of us put a, some people will put on a good show and try to keep the evil of their heart out, but it eventually comes out. And here it came out for the Pharisees and their words reflected the reality of their hearts. And the same is true for us. How can you speak evil, or how can you speak good if you are evil? The answer is you can't. The depraved human heart apart from faith in and love for Christ, the human heart that is not indwelt by the Holy Spirit, is full of evil. And it can only produce according to its kind. Evil. Maybe not evil as the world defines it. Perhaps out in the world you might be considered a good, upstanding citizen. Perhaps you might be applauded by the world because you repeat its talking points and you celebrate its sinfulness and the world will tell you how good you are if you do this. But in the sight of God the unsaved heart only always brings forth evil. Without faith in Christ it is impossible to please God in any way because every thought, every word, every deed proceeds from an evil heart Your heart is like a storehouse. It's like a reservoir. And the mouth of that storehouse, the opening to the reservoir, lets the streams flow from the heart and out through your mouth. And what you speak reveals what is in that reservoir or what fills that storehouse. Which is what Jesus made clear again in verse 34. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So again, listen. I want you to think again for a second what is the storehouse of your heart filled with what is the the reservoir that is your heart full of examine your words evaluate your words if you want to know what another person's reservoir is filled with listen to their words evaluate their words By so doing, you will gain an insight into who they really are in the same way that you gain an insight into who you really are. Because what comes out of your mouth proceeds from your heart. And Jesus will come back to this subject in a few chapters. In chapter 15, when he says, What comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart and this defiles a person for out of the heart come evil thoughts murder adultery sexual immorality theft false witness and slander as david speaking to king saul said many many years before jesus spoke here he said in first samuel 24:13 out of the wicked comes wickedness out of the wicked comes wickedness so you see here is an objective test an objective measure or standard by which to judge ourselves and to judge others. The content of your speech. If your speech, if, if you here this morning are pondering your words and your speech, if you think to yourself, my speech has revealed things to me that make me question my heart, that's a good start. Because Jesus is here ready to Forgive. If you repent of your sin and you confess it to Christ, he forgives. And then, as the proverb says, keep your heart with all diligence. Notice what the proverb said, notice what he said, keep your heart, guard it, examine it, see if you are truly in the faith. And possessing a heart filled with the spirit of God, if you're repenting, if you're repenting and thinking about your words and you're calling out to Christ for forgiveness right now, Hear what the proverb says. Put away from you crooked speech and devious talk. Know that the mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life. Is your mouth a fountain of life? Imitate the Lord Jesus, whose mouth was filled with, as Luke 4 tells us, gracious words. Hear the Apostle Paul as he exhorted the Colossian church. Let your speech always be gracious and seasoned with salt. And he also exhorted the Ephesian church let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. Gracious speech proceeds from a heart that is filled with grace. Corrupting talk proceeds from a heart that is filled with corruption. So, again, how is your heart this morning? The Pharisees on this day slandered Jesus because their hearts were overflowing with slander. And this is what Jesus means when he said in verse 35, the good person out of his good treasure brings forth good and the evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. Again, the principle stands again. Who you are will reveal itself in what you bring forth. The Pharisees brought forth out of their evil treasure of idolatry and wickedness and concealed sin in the heart, they brought forth the evil of slandering Jesus. So which of the two options in verse 35 most describe or best describe you? Are you the good person bringing forth good out of your good treasure, or are you the evil person bringing forth evil out of your evil treasure? Bringing forth here means throwing it out, flinging it out. It spurts out almost uncontrollably. It simply pours forth out of you. The good spurt good, the evil spurt evil. It's simply just who they are. And the text again reminds us that there are only two options good or evil. The good person brings forth good out of good treasure, evil brings forth evil out of evil treasure. And the determining factor between whether one is good or whether one is evil is how one responds to the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you believe in him? Have you called out to him for salvation? Has the Holy Spirit renewed your heart? Is Jesus the treasure of your heart? The only good person, biblically speaking, is the one who has been born again by the Spirit of God and by that Spirit has had their heart renewed by him, by grace through faith in Christ. And if this morning you have not called out or cried out to Jesus for salvation, then you belong to the second category, the evil person. Now, you might say to yourself, well, that can't be right. You don't know me. You don't know my heart. I may not know, I may not do good things all the time, but surely I've done enough that God would look at me and be like, oh, yeah, you're pretty good. And here's the reality, I don't know your heart. I don't know the, the subtleties of what you say to yourself about your relationship with God. I don't know all that goes on in your heart. That's quite true, but you know who does? God. God knows your heart, and he has revealed the state of the human heart, apart from saving faith in Christ, in Scripture. So hear God's assessment of your situation this morning, O unbeliever. None is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless, No one does good, not even one. Their throat is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive, and the venom of asps is under their lips. So you see, while your deeds might carry some cachet in the world, if you are unsaved this morning in the sight of God, your heart remains at this very moment unredeemed. All your words about spiritual things carry zero value. They are worthless, brought forth from the evil treasures stored up in your evil heart. No spiritual good proceeds from an evil heart. In fact, it is impossible for you without faith in Christ to please God in any way at all. Now that might sound harsh, and that's because it is. However, there is good news for you this morning if this is you if you don't know Jesus this morning and you hope to make the move from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, if you hope to transition from the evil person at the enemy of God currently under the wrath of God because your sin and its consequences are as of yet unpaid for and still resting upon you, to the good person indwelt by the Spirit, forgiven by God, sin dealt with and paid for at the cross of Christ, adopted into the family of God, then the arms of Jesus Christ are wide open to receive you this morning. Yes, even you. You will be saved in, if you should turn to Christ in faith and trust. You should, if you should call out to Jesus for salvation and forgiveness this morning. Now let me ask you a question knowing all that you know about Jesus and how great He is and how good He is, why wouldn't you? Why would you reject or spurn such a gracious offer that is held out by Him to you? Why would you remain in the same position as the Pharisees did on this day? Why would you remain standing at the edge of a cliff, from which a fall would mean eternal torment. Today is the day, now is the time. Repent and believe, and you will be forgiven. And know this, there is coming a day of judgment. Look what Jesus said next in the first line of 36. I tell you, on the day of judgment... There is coming a day when the Lord will do two things. Condemn to eternal torment all who rejected Jesus Christ and welcome into eternal life all who trusted Jesus Christ. On, the day, on that day of judgment, your life will be evaluated. Verse 36 and 37 tells us that all people will give an account for every careless word they speak, for by your words you will be justified and by your words you will be condemned. Again, again, The principle is reiterated again. Your words reveal your spiritual condition. A heart renewed by faith in Christ will reveal itself by our words. It just can't stay inside. What is inside will make its way out. If you love Jesus, you're going to talk about Jesus. You're going to imitate Him with your words. And the criteria by which we are judged includes our words here, Because they are evidence of the conditions of our hearts. Our words reveal who we are inside. Therefore, our words reveal whether we are saved or not. On the day of judgment, no one will be able to say, Well, yeah, I said a few bad things, but that doesn't mean I'm a bad person. Know this. Look at the text again. Every careless word. See that? Every careless word will find its way into the last judgment. Every word you and I have ever spoken is included in the transcript, included on the record. Every careless word, every worthless word, every irresponsible word, every inappropriate word, every unprofitable and morally useless word is on the record. Now this ought to cause you some discomfort, right? Especially in a culture like ours that spits out careless words about every subject and against every person. Jesus makes it clear, your words are important, your words are powerful. They are recorded by the Lord and they will be used at at the judgment as reflections of your heart. Reflections of a heart that is either justified or condemned. Now hear what the text is not saying. The text is not saying that you are declared righteous in the sight of God by your words or because you kept your speech pure. The text is saying that those who who are truly saved by grace through faith in Christ will be revealed by their words. The good tree will produce good fruit. The good person will bring forth good out of the good treasure in their hearts. The Pharisees, on the other hand, striving to maintain their selfish position, their status in the eyes of the crowd, they spoke on this day extremely careless and blasphemous words. Words that will return upon their heads as revealing an unforgiving, blasphemous, slanderous heart when the Lord calls them to account. Now, if you're wondering this morning, if you're sitting here this morning wondering about all the careless and morally unprofitable, irresponsible, worthless words that you've spoken and what that means for you, it means simply this. Repent. Repent. Ask the Lord for forgiveness. He is faithful and just to forgive. The slate is clean. Start again. Confess the sins of your mouth to the Lord and He will forgive. Commit to loving the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And in the power of the Holy Spirit who lives in you, who has regenerated, renewed, and renovated your heart, commit to filling your heart with the wonderful word of the Lord. Commit to filling your heart with the things of the Lord and just watch it pour out of your mouth. Out of the overflow of your heart, your mouth will speak. And so we end where we began. What kind of person are you? Examine your words. Weigh them against the word of God. If you are found wanting like the Pharisees in our text, please, I urge you, do not follow their example. But instead, call out to Christ for forgiveness. Call out to Christ for salvation. If you are one who professes Christ and has failed in the area of careless words, call out to Him and confess it to Him. He will forgive. And let us all magnify and honor the Lord. As our mouths from this point forward speak grace and compassion and glory they speak about the wonders of jesus holiness encouragement out of the abundance of our renewed heart hear and listen to king david who said i will guard my ways that i may not sin with my tongue i will guard my mouth with a muzzle And again in Psalm 141, Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Do not let my heart incline to any evil. Instead, finally, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Father, we praise you and we honor you That you are so forgiving, you are so gracious, you are so merciful. That even on this day as the Pharisees had spoken such horrendous words, you still held out to them a call to repentance. And you do the same for us out of that abundant storehouse of grace that we find in you. So I pray for us this morning who look back on the number of words that we've spoken and the number of times that we've deceived ourselves into thinking we're good but we do bad things and and we play this game. I pray that you would just bring us to be honest with ourselves, and then to set it before you in repentance and recognize that you are a God who forgives. I pray for those who don't know you and whose hearts are at this moment still a part of the domain of darkness, that your Holy Spirit would just be beating down the door of their heart. That they would call out to you, cry out to you, hear your offer of forgiveness, and lay hold of it for themselves. And We praise you, Lord Jesus Christ, for it all. It's in your name we pray. Amen.